really cool story that came out last week uh, on the rosy outlook for the Cold Lake region. Uh, that part of the province is anticipating billions and billions of dollars and thousands of jobs all in connection with a new carbon capture and storage facility that's proposed for that area. It's going to be one of the largest facilities of its kind on Earth anywhere. Uh, it's it's underway, but there are still some regulatory hurdles that they have to get over. They're seeking some government funding, so it's in the works, I guess would be a good way of putting it. But they hope to be up and running by 2030. Now, I know all of you totally, fully understand carbon capture and storage, but I have some questions about exactly what that means and how it works. I thought it might be a good idea to get a crash course in carbon capture and storage. We keep hearing about it. It's the future, we're told. What is it? How does it work? And why is this particular spot in Alberta identified as one of the best places on earth to do it? We're going to chat now with June Sakara, who is a Global Development Policy Center at Boston University to give us some insight. June, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate your time today. Hi there. Thank you for inviting me. Let's just start the the big term, carbon capture. We'll, we'll break it into two pieces, I guess. Carbon capture, let's start there. When we say carbon capture, what specifically are we talking about? Well, there are two kinds of carbon capture, and the kind that I think uh, is being talked about in your location, and I have to say I'm not an expert on what's going on in the Cold Lake area of Canada. Uh, I'm, uh, I haven't uh, studied that. I haven't looked at it. I just became aware of it when you all contacted me, so I have to say that I don't know specifically about your particular situation, but the big picture there's two kinds of carbon capture. One is where you capture, supposedly capture, the carbon dioxide coming out of smokestacks. Uh, it's called point source capture. So you use uh, machinery and chemicals to attempt to capture the CO2 uh, that's coming out with the so-called flue gases. That's one way. The other way uh, that carbon capture is done is to pull it uh, out of the air using, again, machinery and chemicals. Um, that's usually called direct air capture, DAC. So there's two kinds of carbon capture. One is pulling it out of smokestacks, and the other one is sucking it out of the air. Gotcha. Okay, now... Help me understand, once it's pulled out of the air, there's talk uh, with this particular project here, they're going to pipe it down the pipeline. What are they piping? Is it a liquid? Is it a solid? Is it still gas at that point? Yeah, I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think that what's going on uh, from what I read in the couple of newspaper stories is this is, I think, point source capture where they're planning to capture it at their oil extraction uh, facilities. Uh, but in any case, uh, when it gets piped, it has to get piped someplace to put it underground. Okay. So that requires pipelines. Um, and then it gets uh, injected into underground locations. Right. Um, and when it's piped, it's generally piped as what's called a supercritical, in a supercritical state, which means it's kind of between a liquid and a gas. It's kind of lo- more like a liquid. Uh, but it's super compressed, uh, uses huge amounts of energy to put it into pipelines. They have to be specially built pipelines because otherwise they can too easily rupture uh, if you try to use the kind of pipelines that are used for oil and uh, for gas now. Um, so you, you put it under huge pressure, you put it into pipelines, you transport it through the pipelines, and you put it, take it to a an injection site where it's, again, 
uses lots of energy uh, for injection uh, wells, they're called, to force it into underground formations. And that's where it gets a little bit tricky. But basically, again, it's uh, under super high pressure when that happens. And I can talk some more about the storage. Yeah. Um, when you want. Because they talk about the geography or the geology, I guess, being perfect in this part of the world. It's stored under natural formations. When we talk about the storage, what does that look like typically? What's the process? And, and what, what, what kind of geology makes it perfect? Well, it's an interesting question when you say what happens typically. So what happens typically is that the captured CO2, and this is what's going on in the United States and um, also in the biggest CO2 capture operation in Canada right now. It's captured and then it's injected into oil wells to push out more oil. Okay. So that's what's going on. 95% of, 94% now of the captured CO2 yeah. in the United States is used to produce more oil. It's, it's injected into mostly or partially depleted oil wells and oil fields and it's used, it sort of, it forces out uh, more additional oil, which of course is then pumped out and it's uh, transported and combusted and produces more CO2. The other, um, uh, there are several other kinds of alternatives for so-called geologic storage. And again, I do not know what is being planned for the storage hub in your area. Right. Um, but typically, the the favored type of um, storage uh, geologic location is a saline, is so-called saline storage. And what that means is it's porous rock. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, there's a big cavern down there, and you just pump the CO2 into this big open right. space. Yeah. That's not the case. Interesting, so, interesting. Yeah, there's no cavern. Uh, basically, it's rock, uh, and they the uh, and the reason so you inject this highly pressurized carbon dioxide in this semi-liquid, semi-gaseous state into these um, this porous rock. But oftentimes, or I think most of the time, the porous rock is actually uh, filled already with brine. And brine is basically salt water, salt, very salty water that's laced with lots of minerals and chemicals. A lot of those chemicals are toxic. And uh, oftentimes when you inject it into a saline formation, what, what's going to happen is that the salty water, the brine, gets pushed aside, and oftentimes that's going to have to be then pumped up to the surface and stored in pools on the surface or somehow otherwise disposed of. So it's an enormous process to um, do this injection and storage operation, none of which is typically discussed in the articles that you see on this. Interesting. Okay. Uh, June, thank you so much for your time. I do have to move on, but I appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you.